Well, hello, everybody. I'm Dane Curley. <laughs> yeah, uh, I can't do an Irish accent. Me clicking record episode something. 23? Get it started. Oh yes, folks. <laughs> yeah, you know, I gotta get the vocal cords warmed up because we got a song of the day to check out today. And it is the title of the episode Finnegan's Wake. Finnegan's Wake is the title. I'm drinking a homemade latte out of my failed campaign Bernie 2016 mug. And listen to this. Oh, ho, 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 ho. Coke Zero. Coca Cola Zero Sugar has returned to the home. Mm. Mm. And when you drink a sip, right after you drink a sip of your homemade oat milk latte, it's like a Christmas blissmas in your mouth. It's like all the cinnamony Coca Cola y goodness combines with the coffee and the, you know, the the sort of oat tannins that are flavoring the oat milk, and boom, in your mouth, deliciousness. I kid you not, that is why I'm so looking forward to this new product from our not sponsor, Coca-Cola, though you may have thought otherwise, a Coca-Cola coffee drink coming in a can. It's going to be Coca-Cola flavor and coffee. People say they're crazy. They say they say they're crazy. They say it can't be done. But the greatest Coca-Cola CEO ever made it happen, and it's going to be delicious. I can't wait. Ah, uh, yes. It's uh, been a quite a production to get this episode. MC Rick twenty-three three three three. Um, that's the hot production I'm talking about. It's been a, a little bit of stress because the heat went out in the apartment late last night it was supposed to be turned on at 5 a.m uh and it didn't and so today it has been freezing in the apartment and then when they fixed the boilers uh, in the building all the heaters turned on and they're so playing catch up because it's 34 degrees today so in time it's december 8th 2020 and so from about you know noon through till now uh the heaters have been trying to catch catch up and they are just whistling Dixie. I don't know if you got old water heaters in your apartment or home. You probably don't, but if you're in the city, you probably do. The city being New York City or any city, perhaps. Or if you're in a European city where many of our listeners are, um, well, many is subjective, but you get the idea. Uh, Many as a percent (laughs) of our failing podcast listeners are in Europe, I bet you have radiator heat and things like that as well, and water heat and waterboards, and that stuff just whistles, whistles with steam. It's steam heat. And I couldn't record the podcast from home, uh, so I am wondering what I'm going to do for the rest of the winter. I mean, ideally, the boiler works, and there's a routine schedule to when things are being heated and when the whistling is happening and when they're not. You don't care. You don't care. It's not your problem. It's my problem. I understand that. But look, you're listening. You're going to have to deal with my problems too. All right? Take them on like the Holy Lord 
take on my problems and make them go away and then forgive all my sins. Mm -mm. Sip of latte. Mm -mm. Sip of Coca-Cola. Somehow it creates the flavor of Irish coffee. I don't know how it does it. I don't know how it does it. Maybe it's the lingering cocaine. Cocaina. In the Coke Zero. Uh, I have no idea, but uh, I, I wish I was lying. These two flavors, they really work together. And, uh, yes, it could be a match made in hell. Finnegan's Wake. Well, uh, we are referring to a lot of things by that title. And I think that James Joyce, the famous Irish author, was also referring to more than one thing when he made that title. Probably at least three, uh, three references all self-contained. And James Joyce is considered one of the all-time great, certainly the great Irish writer, um, but also one of the titans of Western English literature generally. Western literature uh, obviously being the higher aspiration, uh, but I mean, not that people necessarily aspire to be titans of Western literature, but the point being that the umbrella is wider, covers more languages, and therefore... Uh, I'm trying to show you the grandeur of James Joyce in that he is not merely recognized as a fantastic titan of English lit, but indeed of Western literature in general. Behold, Finnegan's Wake, the many-paged titan of Western literature. Dum, 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 dum. 590 pages, 610, 600 and... Sorry, gonna have gonna be burping a little bit. 628 pages long, and these pages are no small pages. They are medium-sized-ish font, not super tiny and teeny. I can, you know, read it without having to squint, but th th it's packed because I believe... And it wouldn't surprise me to be correct. I believe there were no paragraph indentations in the original print of this book. And that the editor of the copy I have, which is the Penguin edition, Penguin 20th Century Classics Edition, a Penguin book of literature, uh, the editor put in to make it just a bit more readable, he put in uh, paragraph indentations for the lowly readers such as you and I, who perhaps are not so great that we can keep up with Joyce without even the paragraph indentation. But Joyce rewrites all the rules. Uh, in his work, Ulysses, uh, which is the Irish Odyssey, uh, therefore Ulysses. Ulysses is the word Odysseus, or rather the name Odysseus, uh, but more... I guess anglicized from the Greek and into a more, I don't know if it was, if it's actually romanticized and actually that's uh, Ulysses was what it was in Latin. I don't know if that be the case, but however, here we are in America speaking English and therefore I will say that it was anglicized uh, from Odysseus to Ulysses. Oh my God, how many pauses am I gonna, is he gonna make? Well, folks, the host happens to be suffering from a severe addiction to caffeine and has a blistering headache, and he just needs to... I mean, if I can inject this, like, 
a fucking heroin addict just injects the caffeine and if there were some kind of mechanism biological mechanism in the body whereby by injecting caffeine it would release more slowly and methodically throughout the day and i wouldn't have to like lump it in at you know here we are at 342 well it's no really i just have a migraine today and caffeine tends to help with that sort of thing so and why do i have a migraine well i either have a new coming wisdom tooth on the bottom, my bottom wisdom teeth never came in. I had the tops removed because, you know, once those get cavities, they're just too hard to work on, and who wants to save them? They're useless anyway. So I got those removed, but the bottom two never came in, and I think either they're coming in or I have a flesh-eating bacteria that is eating through my jawbone. So one of the two, and um, hopefully we'll find out after I'm dead. But Finnegan's Wake, yes, comes after Ulysses. Ulysses, uh, released in the 1910s, I want to say. Oh, better get to clicking on the Wikipedia. Um, yes, 1922, excuse me, 1922, Ulysses. It is considered, Ulysses is, a very difficult read, extremely difficult read. And uh, James Joyce, prior to Ulysses, he, he wrote straight-up narratives that were easy to understand, and I've read many of his short stories and highly recommend the book Dubliners, which is a collection of short stories by James Joyce. I have not re uh, read every short story in the collection. However, those that I have are very enjoyable. They're really smartly written, uh, and what's really cool about them is they're day-in-the-life stories. I don't know if you're into that sort of thing. Uh, I like it because it... it there's not necessarily a moral to the story. There doesn't have to be. There's not necessarily some big high thing that Joyce is trying to teach you. He's, But he is accurately giving you a day in someone's life. You get to you know, kind of see what these sort of run-of-the-mill um, Joe Sixpack Irishmen were like. Irishmen and women um, of all ages. I shouldn't say men uh, and women. I, I should just Irish people. I would have done it. And nevertheless, moving forward in his literary career to Ulysses, uh, he starts becoming experimental. And his final work, which took him, God, I wanted to say in the introduction, they said 17 years to write. Again, folks, this is not a documentary. It is an entertainment podcast, so please do your due diligence in reviewing each of the facts shared by the host. The host is not to be considered a reliable source of data of any kind, but only a source of humor and comfort with his wonderful, sultry voice. I think he worked on it at over 15 years, and it shows, it definitely shows, but it is a hated work. Finnegan's Wake released very, sh like, right before he died, but was released before he died, so it's not a posthumous release. Um, it is spelled F-I-N-N-E-G-A-N-S with no apostrophe, Finnegan's Wake. Now, as soon as you get one paragraph deep into this book, you will know that this man, James Joyce, is a bit of a wordplay sort of fellow. Not a bit, actually an extremely, uh, I mean, masterful at wordplay, but in such a way that you're not going to even understand half of the things that he says. So this is considered, 
at least by many accounts that I have read of, of real literary critics, to be uh, one of the hardest books to read in all of Western writing. And according to the Wikipedia page for Finnegan's Wake, um, there's a, a, a critic of James Joyce, a critic in the traditional sense, somebody who studies it and, and you know writes papers on his work, uh, and in, in fact literally wrote a book called A Critical Guide to James Joyce. His name is Lee Spinks. He argued that Finnegan's Wake, quote, has some claim to be the least read major work of Western literature, end quote. And why is that? It's because this book doesn't make any fucking sense. It doesn't make any sense. It is so, not merely dense, not about the density of the work. It's not like you're constantly going to the, the dictionary. If you go to the dictionary, you're wasting your time, man, because you need to have like five layers of dictionaries and you know an idiomatic understanding of all the all the phrases ever uttered, all the figurative speech ever uttered before in history, and that led a lot of other critics and even friends of Joyce to really criticize this effort and say like, man, you kind of like gave up on the working man, you kind of gave up on the. You know, that whole day in the life thing you did in Dubliners was so fantastic. And like those readers, uh, you abandoned them completely. And this is like hogwash for the upper class, the extremely educated academic uh, elite class, not even merely rich people, but people who are hyper educated are the only people who are going to understand this. And others yet, others yet say, no, 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 no. Nobody is supposed to understand every word because the wake Finnegan in Finnegan's Wake is actually meant to refer to sleeping and waking up as well as dying which is already implied by awake and if it were the possessive Finnegan's like Tim, as in Tim Finnegan's Wake Tim Finnegan died and we're going to hold awake um, then it would obviously refer to death and dying but this is without the apostrophe Finnegan's Wake which means many Finnegan's waking up many finnegans awaken um or many finnegans but you know are many finnegans in a family have died and we're holding their wake um you're supposed to ponder these things i believe and you're supposed to ponder indeed every word in the book not merely every word but every sentence and every paragraph and i think you know joyce isn't saying hey sit with a magnifying glass um, put each word under a microscope or anything like that, though you certainly could if that was your pleasure. But if it was not your pleasure, you just got to read it like it's a like it's a rap song. That's how I'm doing. I'm reading it like it's a rap song. And I love it because it just gives my tongue a workout. But I I'm an actual rapper. Right. So, you know, readers who are not rappers and indeed rap did not exist in uh, James Joyce's time as an art form. Uh, but I think that's a really good way to go about it, and I'll uh, explain why. So, James Joyce is not merely using more than just the English language. I mean, he's bringing in there. Nobody knows for sure because he's combining words. He's making up his own words, and there and these made-up words are on every page, and indeed, I think in every sentence, just about there's a made-up word. And he's also adding the Irish brogue to the words, so he's not spelling them necessarily in the way that, especially not an American citizen, but not even in the way that an Irish American or an Irishman in his day would have spelled it. 
And by the way, the song Finnegan's Wake, which we are about to get into as our song of the day to check out, um, it's an Irish-American song. Uh, it, it may have become an Irish drinking song and an Irish pub song, but it started in the American Irish pubs, and it indeed started in New York City and is about a man named Tim Finnegan from Walker Street. Now, there's no canonical source of the lyrics for this song, and every version I've heard changes one part of it or another around into, you know, however to make the singer happy and to make it more easy for him to sing. But I found a fantastic article by uh, a gentleman named Brandon Ward, who goes by the moniker Harlot's Curse. And this was on steemit.com, S-T-E-E-M-I-T dot com slash Finnegan's Wake slash at Harlot's Curse slash Finnegan hyphen S hyphen Wake hyphen the hyphen lyrics. And it's from three years ago, and he did a little um, research of his own into the original, like how far can we get a a version in print of the lyrics to this song? And he found three versions all in print in the mid-1860s. He couldn't determine which one was the original. I could only find his article on this. I couldn't find any academic work on this, and the Wikipedia page was not, not helpful either. So there is no understanding, to my knowledge, of what the original lyrics were, but I'm going to use the... Um, Bryant Glover version to sing our song of the day to check out because it's much more easy to understand what the hell is going on in James Joyce's book when you understand the structure of the story in this song. Here we go. Tim Finnegan lived in Walker Street, an Irish gentleman mighty oddy, a beautiful brogue so rich and sweet, and a rise in the world he carried a hod. But you see, he'd sort of a tipplin' way with a love for the liquor. Poor Tim was born, and to help him through his work each day, he'd a drop of the crater every morn. Whack hurrah, and dance to your partner's wealth the floor, your trotters shake. Isn't it the truth? I've told ye lots of fun at Finnegan's Wake. One morning Tim was rather full, his head felt heavy which made him shake. He fell from the ladder and broke his skull, so they carried him home, his corpse to wake. They rolled him up in a nice clean sheet, and laid him out upon the bed, with fourteen candles round his feet, and a couple of dozen round his head. Whack hurrah, and dance to your partners, welt the floor, your trotters shake. Isn't it the truth I've told ye lots of fun at Finnegan's wake? His friends assembled at his wake. Mrs. Finnegan called out for the lunch. First they laid in tea and cake, then pipes and tobacco and whiskey punch. Miss Biddy O'Neill began to cry. Such a pretty dead corpse did you ever see? A rot him of why did you die? Ach, none of your gabs, said Judy McGee. Whack her on, dance to your partners, fill out the floor, your trotters shake. Isn't it the truth I've told ye lots of fun at Finnegan's wake? Thin Peggy O'Connor took up the job. Arrah, Biddy, says she, you're wrong, I'm sure. But Judy then gave her a belt on the gob and left her sprawling on the floor. Each side in war did soon engage. T'was woman to woman and man to man. Shalala law was all the rage and a bloody eruption sh- soon began. Whack hurrah and dance to your partners, welt the floor, your trotters shake. Isn't it the truth I've told ye lots of fun at Finnegan's wake? Mickey Mulvaney raised his head when a gallon of whiskey flew at him. 
it missed him and fell on the bed. The liquor scattered over Tim. Bedad, he revives, see how he raises, and Timothy, jumping from the bed, cries while he lathered around like blazes. Bad luck to your souls, did you think I was dead? Whack her on, dance to your partners, welt the floor, your trotter shake, isn't it? The truth I've told ye, lots of fun at Finnegan's Wake. Thank you, thank you very much, thank you. Thank you, everybody. Thank you, I'm Jerry Seinfeld. That was Finnegan's work. Why is Finnegan drinking too much whiskey? I don't understand. It's so much she's always drinking. And Mrs. Finnegan, why is she all excited about lunch? Her husband just died. And what's a hard? Why is he got a hard to rise in the world? Let's break it down, folks. Tim Finnegan, he's a drunken guy, you know what I'm saying? He's got a beautiful brogue, though. He's got a really nice Irish accent. It's rich and sweet. Uh, he's a bricklayer. He carries a hod. That's a tool that, like, picks up bricks. Metal tool kind of thing. And, uh, but you see, he sort of had a tippling way. A good way to understand that word is, like, you know, if you're getting tipsy, uh, it means he was a drunkard. He had a tippling way. You know, maybe he had a little tip in his walk when he walked down the... <laughs> when he walked on his way to work each day. Because he was born with a love for the liquor, poor soul that he was. Uh, and he had a drop of the crather every morning. And maybe it was more than a drop if he had a tippling way. Uh, crather. Now, we're going to get into a kind of the language of, of Irish America and uh, Ireland. And remember, you know, you know that you all know the phrase, the gift of gab. That's an Irish phrase to describe somebody with a, with a way of words. And there is indeed a a proud Irish heritage of the gift of gab, a proud Irish heritage passing on through the generations. We've got a, a lovely, lovely care for the language and linguistics, don't we? And uh, it's true. Uh, Gaelic is, I'm told, not an easy language to learn, and therefore it has become a, a difficult language to preserve, given that the English invasion of Ireland once upon a time did enforce English in schools to the expense of Gaelic in schools, uh, which is a damn shame. But the ingenious Irish people, and remember, I'm not allowed to be proud to be Irish, but I can be happy to be Irish because nobody should be proud for something that they did no work to achieve. By way of happy accident, however... I am happy to be Irish. I do get the genetic gifts for gab. Therefore, here I am on this here podcast. And as a here I there I am as a writer. And here I am stumbling over all of my words because I'm full of shit and don't have any gifts of gab. Um, and also, I'm a rapper and all these things. And let me just keep toot toot tootin' on my horn here to explain that Irish uh, genetics, um, you know, over the generations have indeed rewarded the gift of gab, and so we've got a lot of, uh, you know, maybe we let a lot of uh, people who couldn't talk so good die uh, without reproducing. I don't know. But, fun speculation aside, we can dive into each word in this song a little bit. He'd a, he'd a drop out a crather every morn. Crather is really just, you know, Irish for creature. And Irish slang, I suppose, for creature, not an actual Gaelic word. It's more of a bastardization of an English word because Gaelic does not derive from English so far as I know. 
And so the uh, creature is a, a powerful kind of whiskey. It's about it's very similar to whiskey, but not exactly the same drink. But you could call it whiskey, and you wouldn't be too off. Um, but you know, just calling liquor a creature. Um, put it's so strong. You're putting a creature in your mouth. You're gonna unleash a creature within your body. You're gonna drink a creature. Who knows what's gonna happen to you? So he only had a drop. It says I don't know if I believe that. Um, but he had it every morning. And probably had a good good old swig of it. Then whack hurrah and dance to your partner. Whack hurrah. It doesn't mean anything. It's called that's called lilting in Irish song. Lilting. It's kind of like. I'm the scat man. Wow. It's a lot like that. Lilting. It's just, you know, you got to fill the fucking melody somehow. I think they used to call it a hole in the melody. Um, this guy, uh, Brandon, what was it? The Harlot's Curse, Brandon Ward. I think he was talking about that as well. Like, like that's just something that you know people used to do when they, you know, couldn't think of the lyrics, but they were performing. <laughs> um, a hole in the ballad. That's right. Lilting is also quote. Lilting is also used when there is a hole in the ballad. That is when the singer can't remember the words. And modern versions of this song include numerous variants on the nonsensical phrases. Whack fold da da and dance to your partners do see do and bloopity blee. Uh, you know I do lilting all the time with my friends whenever I'm singing something I don't know. Um, and and it was indeed in these three versions from the 1860s written different all three times. With with my fillaloo hubaboo whack haroo boys ba 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 da boobly be and then whack hurrah dance to your partners and whack hurrah blood and oonsy soul ye ba 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 da boobly dee so lilting that's all that that is so so much for having gifts of gab I guess I should take it back um what else do we got in this song that's interesting linguistically linguistically interesting welt the floor your trotter shake welt the floor welt the floor as in, stomp your feet so hard you you in, cause the floor to welt. Um, I like that imagery a lot. I like picturing the floor as a skin, as a human skin that you're stomping on, the skin of the earth. Uh, and your trotter shake is just your feet. Your feet shaking. Trotters, because you trot on your feet. So this sort of playful language um, is so ingrained in I Irish culture and song and history and, and, and their literature. Uh, one morning Tim was rather full. His head fell Hollywood made him shake. He fell from the ladder and broke his skull. So they carried him home, his corpse to wake. So now here's a little play in the language here. They carried him home, his corpse to wake. Now we're under the impression he's dead. And, you know, everybody's crying. And, and, and even his friends are under the impression that he's dead. But by the end of the song, he actually wakes up. Bedad, he revives. See how he raises Timothy, jumping from the bed. Cries while he lathered around like blazes. Bad luck to your souls. Do you think I'm dead? He wasn't dead. He just, you know, he hit his head really hard and was super drunk. Um, so what the fuck does that have to do with Finnegan's Wake, the great Western work that nobody has ever read because it's too difficult to read and is considered wildly pretentious? By some and by others, the exact opposite. 
So I, I like things like I like controversial pieces and I like controversy in general. I like people who are willing to buck authority and to say, fuck you, people who are telling me what to do. I'm doing this thing. And James Joyce was one such person. And this thing was Finnegan's Wake. And indeed, Ulysses before, but Finnegan's Wake even on a whole nother level. And so the book begins mid-sentence. And it ends mid-sentence in the same sentence. So across all those pages, you're just right back where you started, man. It literally starts with a lowercase letter and ends without ends without punctuation. Let me just double check that I'm not lying to you. Remember, folks, you do have to consult a true physician if you want genuine medical advice. Uh, yep, I'm correct. It starts without a capital and it ends without a pu punctuation. And that is just a, a microcosm of the work itself. You should not expect to understand what you are reading. Because either or maybe either is a false uh, a false starting point, a false premise, because maybe it's both and or none. Because uh, this book is fraught with paradox, and the way it's written is paradoxical, and, and that's all by design. Uh, and some people say it's the greatest Western work of all time, and others say, you know, fuck James Joyce. But people who say it's the greatest work of all time do believe, or some of them do, that this book is either the journey from life into death and then rebirth. Excuse me, the burps are just hardcore today. From life into death into rebirth or falling asleep into uh, being awake once again. And so this idea of like starting in the middle of a sentence, you know, it reminds me of being in a dream. I very, I'm very in touch with my dreaming consciousness. And I, I kept a dream journal for ma many years. I'm not actively doing it right now, but I, I do have plans starting uh, mid-January to take it seriously once again. It does require a bit of effort, and you know you gotta you gotta have a tight sleep schedule and make sure you have enough time to spend writing as much as you can. And you know you could spend a whole half hour writing a dream if you remember a lot of it. And indeed, I've I've gotten to the point through training that I remember as many as six dreams in a single wake. So I'll wake and I'll have six dreams that I'll have to write down. And it takes a long time. Uh, and maybe I should type them, but I think writing actually helps you, um, you know, without having the screens light in your face, you can actually picture your memories a little bit better in the morning, uh, especially when you're still in that kind of half awake state. So what the fuck was I talking about? Oh, this, yeah. So this idea that it's, um, you know, this whole book, you know, when I, when I'm, find myself recalling a dream, I don't always have the very beginning starting point in my memory. I don't know how the dream began. You just kind of, you're thrust into some story. It's already going on. And if you've ever had a lucid dream, and indeed, if you were able to read your dream uh, in a book, you would certainly be lucid that you were reading your dream in a book, right? So perhaps that's what James Joyce was doing, is bringing lucidity to a dream. You're aware that what you're reading is not reality, um, and you can suspend your disbelief, but you could also put the book down. And I think with a lucid dream, uh, it's a lot like that. And, and you catch yourself in the middle of some other storyline and narrative and, and perhaps in another world and perhaps with a totally different personality than you have in real life. You just It just clicks and you go, holy shit, 
I'm dreaming. And then that now I'm having a lucid dream. I'm aware that I'm dreaming. I'm still asleep. I'm aware of it, but I'm not waking up. I'm in this dream world and I have consciousness. I'm Dane Curley, but in this dream, I'm some guy named Bob Nelson. And maybe you're still Dane Curley, but you know, it, it varies dream to dream. But oh my God, and here I am. And why did I get here? And where did I come from? And oh yeah, I'm asleep, blah, blah, blah. But in this narrative, where am I? No idea. No idea. What is that? It's some purple dinosaur. What is that? It's, you know, a spaceship. What is that? Blah, blah, blah. I don't usually dream about spaceships or purple dinosaurs, but I'm just trying to, trying to tell you, you, you catch things in the middle. And so in the metaphor of the book, you're in the middle of the story, and um, the story has already begun when you begin to read it. But what makes it even harder to read, if it weren't for starting in the middle of the story instead of having a traditional narrative structure, is that it has no narrative structure at all, although some people do believe that you can get a, like Joseph Campbell, who created a skeleton key for Finnegan's Wake, which tries to piece together narrative uh, for you and help you along by pointing at different pieces in the story that connect to each other and blah de blah Some other people say, don't bother with that, it's a waste of time. People, by the way, have called this book unspoilable that it could not it cannot possibly be spoiled you can tell somebody every detail of the quote unquote story but they would not you would not be spoiling it because when they read it they would read a totally different story uh, and I, I you know I'm, I'm not deep into this work it takes very long to read and if you stop to Wikipedia things and words and Wiktionary and all that then you're you're in it for a real long haul but I do think you can get enjoyment out of it just like limerickly and just listening to it and, and talking it aloud is very enjoyable for me personally uh, but also uh, you will you will understand a joke here and there or maybe more than here and there you'll understand you know a couple jokes every paragraph uh, thanks to the editor who created them for you uh, but there will be a lot that you cannot know that you just don't have the educational background to possibly know and I think what the people who argue that this is a pretentious work are saying is that, you know, oh, how, how fucked up of James Joyce that he's, you know, requiring his readers to have all this education. I, I shirk that idea. I say, no, 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 he doesn't want you to understand everything. That's the fucking point. Even him, when he was writing this, he was probably had his fucking encyclopedia by his side to pull shit out to make certain, you know, uh, puns and... He had, you know, dictionaries in every language. I mean, he obviously he wasn't fluent in all in 60 languages. People estimate as many as 60 languages are used to create some of these fake words. And indeed, some of the languages are just preserved uh, genuinely. And there's just like Latin in here. And I'm, I haven't encountered Greek yet, but I, I'm told it's there. So, yeah. And according to the wiki, the word quark, which means a subatomic particle, originates from Finnegan's Wake. That that was coined by James Joyce. So I'm going to read a little bit of it. It's not going to make any sense to you. Don't look for it to make any sense. Just enjoy the way it sounds. Uh, we'll do the first page. River run past even atoms from swerve of shore to bend of bay brings us by a commodious vicus of recirculation back to Houth Castle and environs. Sir Tristram, violer de amores, fro over the short sea, had Passancor re-arrived from North Armorica on this side of the... You know what, I should start over because I have to tell you, every way that I read it, 
is going to be how it is written. The words are not normal. Don't expect them to be. So North America is written North Armorica. So we're talking about Sir Tristram. It's a knight in North Armorica. Now he's bringing in this kind of um, playful language with armor and soldiery. And this whole paragraph, you know, is going to have a lot of tricky language. So look for that. I don't know what the hell the first half sentence means. And it is indeed a half sentence. So, you know, whatever. Your guess is as good as mine. River run past Eve and Adams from Swerve of Shore to Bend of Bay brings us by a commodious vicus of recirculation back to Houth Castle and environs. Sir Tristram Violer de Amores, Frover the Short Sea. That's literally Frover. F-R apostrophe O-V-E-R. Frover the Short Sea had Passancor re-arrived from North Armorica on this side of the scraggy isthmus of Europe Minor to wielder fight his pen-isolate war, nor had Top Sawyer's rocks by the stream Ocone exaggerated themselves to Lawrence County's Gorgios while they went doubling their mumper all the time, nor a voice from a fire bellowsed Misha, Misha, to tauf tauf thu art piatric not yet, though Venice soon after, had a kid scad betended a bland old Isaac, not yet, though all's fair in Venice, were so see Sesthers wroth with twonathend Joe, wrought a peck of pa's malt had gem or shen brewed by arc light in Rory end, to the regan brow was to be seen ringsome on the aqua face. The fall. Ba 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 dalgar kaktaka minarankan brantanaran tuan thun trovar honal scoun tu hurdinin thurnuk. Of a once Wall Street old par is retailed early in bed and later on life down through all Christian minstrelsy. The great fall of the oft wall entailed at such short notice of Pfftschut of Finnegan, air solid man, that the humpty hill head of himself promptly sends an unquiring one well to the west in quest of his tumpty tum toes, and their upturned pike point in place is at the knockout in the park where oranges have been laid to rust. Upon the green since Devlin's first loved Livy. That is the first page of Finnegan's Wake. Holy moly, there's a lot to pick out here. I I know you can't fathom this. I know, I know. Maybe one of you, out of my infinite amount of listeners, maybe one of you is like, this is awesome. I love this shit. Uh, but I think, you know, I'm definitely in the minority of enjoying this. There's so it's it's the rapper in me. It really is. This is a work of rap. This is pre-rap rap, pre-rap rap. James Joyce is a rapper. Uh, he, you know, pen isolate war. The word penis is in there. Penisolate. It's it's spelt as one. You know, pen isolate war. Uh, so when he says. Uh, Sir Tristram re-arrived from North Armorica on this side of the scraggy isthmus of Europe Minor to wielder fight his penisolate war. I don't understand wielder fight. I don't know why that's... Uh, maybe it's wield or fight his penis, or to hold his penis and fight his war. So he's trying to... This is what he wants his reader to do, I think, um, is to kind of, like, get this. 
or not or not or just keep reading and you know you didn't get that part but dane curly got it and you know bob didn't but bob got something that dane curly didn't get because bob knows what the fuck oconee exaggerated themselves to lauren's country's gorgios means or maybe it's gorgios like an engorged penis pen isolate war sir tristram is just you know kind of wielding his cock around uh and then they talk about um uh, where was that? Uh, venison after. Venison, that's deer. Maybe speaking about deer, venison. Hmm, I don't know. A lo- something about love here, love and sex. Uh, had a kid scad butt ended a bland old Isaac. No idea. No, I, no, no fucking effort there. But the word butt is in there. So we've got a butt and we've got a penis. And suddenly I am, am being tricked by a literary genius into reading about highly allegorical sex. Uh, but if you would have had a rot, a rot a peck of Paz malt, had Jem or Shen brewed by Arclight, and Rory End to the Regenbrow was to be seen ringsome on the Aquaface. No, no idea. Don't I, I have no idea what the fuck they're talking about. I know that they're drinking. I know that they're drinking some home brewed shit. But I don't know what the aqua face, I mean, aqua is water, you know, whiskey in Irish is. Um, Whiska something which meant the water of life. So I don't know if we're talking about whiskey drinking and sex here or what's going on. But I enjoy it. I enjoy it. There was something else that I caught that I really liked that I wanted to actually... T- oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> while they went doubling their mumper all the time. Doubling their mumper. I don't know what that means, but I like it. And then that one word that I'm sure you all heard. It's literally one word written in with an exclamation point inside of paragraphs and that that paragraph starts with the fall now the whole book started with river run past eve and adams and now we're talking about the fall so i'm linking those two things together and then after he says the fall perhaps just to give it a bit of emphasis he starts speaking in tongues which is a religious thing that I'm sure existed in the 1930s among all the crazies that have ever existed in this country and still do. Uh, I can't even do it on one breath. Of a once wall straight old par is retailed early in bed and later on life down through all Christian Minstrelsy, Yeah, and there's Christian minstrelsy, so the fall uh, in Christian, and he's connecting me to the religious aspects here. So I'm done because I, I can't bank on you guys giving even half a shit. I'm just kind of exposing you to this, um, this miracle of literature and the song it is based on and a little bit of Irish literary history. Uh, and I am happy to be Irish because I do you know, believe that I come from the tradition of Irish Catholics or lapsed Catholics, indeed, um, who, you know, have taken to the pen. And I'm not just talking about the vape pen, am I right? (laughs) Uh, You know, you know, I love George Carlin, who is also an Irish-American comedian and, uh, you know, owner, fondler of the gift of gab. And, uh, hey, have a pint on me. Cheers. That's a podcast, folks. That's a very niche podcast. One, two, three...
This is a podcast. Dane Noodles. This is a podcast. It's a podcast, Dane. This is a Noodles. And we like sex.